Hello, and welcome to episode six of Sam Splaining Science. I'm Sam, I'm your host. I'll be Sam Splaining the Science. Today we're talking about the heart, the cardiovascular system, the circulatory system, whatever you want to call it. That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> Let's get started. Hey, friends. I hope that the title of this episode is reaching its target audience, which is current and or former Backstreet Boys stands. If you're a normal person reading it, you might just say it like, let Sam explain you the science of the heart. But if you're a real one, you're probably singing it like, now let Sam explain you the science of the heart. You're welcome for that beautiful performance, and you're welcome for getting the Backstreet Boys stuck in your head for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, heads up, I'm recording this on Monday night, so sorry in advance if it's a hot mess. Usually I record like a few days in advance, um because that gives me time to edit out all of my jokes that probably won't land. Um, but today you're getting the real deal, because I'm not going to have much time to edit out all of the bad jokes that I make. So you're getting the real, unfiltered version. So apologies for that, too. <laughs> Anyways, um, when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about this week, I was trying to think of... A relevant theme. I think the last few weeks we've had more like themes. So last week's episode came out on February 1st, which was the first day of Black History Month. So I talked about historical black figures in science. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should go check it out. Um, spoiler alert, next week's episode comes out the day after Valentine's Day. So I was planning on talking about the psychology of love. Um, but this week I was like, I just didn't know what a good theme was. And at first I thought maybe like Groundhog's Day, but I don't, I don't really know the science behind Groundhog's Day, and I feel like it's kind of just made up, like, <laughs> maybe there's some, like, meteorology, meteorological approach behind it, but it just seems a little sus, like, what, why a groundhog, you know, anyway, so I was like, no, I'm not going to do that, because I don't think that that's real science, <laughs> But then I was thinking about, well, okay, it's February. What does February mean? And then I had a niche memory. I remember in elementary school, and I don't know if it was like just my elementary school or if it was like a nation thing, but we had the month of February was jump rope for heart. It was like, um, like American Heart Association, like heart disease awareness, I don't even know. But it was like a thing where basically every time we went to gym, we just jump roped the whole time, I think. That's really all I remember about it. <laughs> but basically it was like a fundraiser. You raise money for the American Heart Association. You get prizes based on how much money you raise. And it's just like raising money and awareness for heart health. And that's because February is American Heart Month. So I thought, why not talk about the heart today? If it seems like I'm reaching, it's because I am reaching. <laughs> it's not that I don't have any ideas. It's that I have too many ideas, right? It's hard to choose from all of the ideas that I have. Um, 
But if you want to help me and my indecision and my complete and total loss of direction, then you can go to samsplainingscience.com slash ask, and you can submit a question or just general science topics that you want to hear more about on a future episode. And you can submit those questions anonymously if you prefer. Um, and in addition to that, you can always connect with me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, at samsplainingsci, if you want to reach out with questions or suggestions for future episodes. Um, because, I, I yeah, I, I think I know what I want to learn about and what I want to talk about, but it's also good to hear from whoever may be listening right now. All right, enough blabbering, Sam. So let's get to today's questions. Today we have two very vague, very general questions. Um, it's always a good place to start with just general questions. The first is what makes up the circulatory system? So just like a cute little biological slash anatomical review of what the cardiovascular system is. And then the second question is, what is cardiovascular disease slash what puts people at higher risk for cardiovascular disease? As always, the sources are linked in the description below, so feel free to check them out if you uh, feel so inclined. All right, let's get started. So our first question, what makes up the circulatory system? What is it? So if I had any ounce of skill in my body. Uh, this podcast would have a visual component, like a video, and we could walk through diagrams together. But tragically, I am uh, stupid and lack any and all talent. So I'm just going to use words to walk through diagrams, uh, which is not my strength. We all know this. <laughs> but if you're curious and you're listening, and you're like, what the hell is this bitch saying? You could just Google like circulatory system diagram and like follow along because those are like the buzzwords that I'm going to be using are in literally any diagram of the heart and diagram of the circulatory system. So Google is free. If you'd like to use it, that's encouraged. <laughs> All right. So our circulatory system, also known as the cardiovascular system, it's made up of the heart and blood vessels. So the heart is made up of cardiac muscle cells that are called cardiomyocytes. And these muscle cells in our hearts contract. Um, and then when these muscle cells all contract together, it makes the heart contract, I guess. And it pumps the blood out of the heart and around our bodies. So the blood pumps from our heart to brain, muscles, organs, through blood vessels. And there are three classes of blood vessels. So there's arteries, capillaries, and veins. Arteries take blood away from the heart. So you can think A for artery and A for away. Veins carry blood to the heart. When the blood leaves the heart and it goes to our organs, its main goal, its purpose is to deliver nutrients like oxygen and glucose to different parts of our body and it also picks up and takes away carbon dioxide and other waste and the point at which 
that transfer of nutrients and waste occurs is called the capillary. So that's like the overall purpose and function of the circulatory system is to deliver nutrients and pick up waste all around the body and kind of circulate it. The circulatory system circulates things. Go figure. You're welcome for that. All right, so let's talk about the path that our blood takes around our bodies. Uh, we'll do a little road map. And uh, this might be helpful for uh, your visual aid on google.com. <laughs> so let's start at the aorta. The aorta is the largest artery in the body. Oxygen-rich blood flows through the aorta as it leaves the heart. So the blood that flows through the aorta has lots of oxygen, it has lots of nutrients, um, and it flows from through the aorta through arteries. And as the arteries approach your extremities, your fingers, your toes, your head, the diameter, the size of the artery gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So these arteries become smaller arteries, which are called arterioles, and then these arterioles get even smaller to the point where they reach, they reach the point where the oxygen transfer, the gas transfer will occur, the capillary. So as blood flows through the capillary, nutrients and oxygen leave the bloodstream and diffuse into the tissue where they're needed. And then wastes and carbon dioxide that are in the tissue then enter the bloodstream. So from the tissue to the blood to be disposed of, to be thrown away in the trash or breathed out. But, you know, okay. So now once we go through the capillary, we're dropping off oxygen, we're picking up CO2 or carbon dioxide. We're getting to the other end of the capillary where there is no longer oxygen-rich blood, and now this is oxygen-poor blood. We just lost all the oxygen by dropping it off in the tissue. So now, on the other side of the capillary is the venous side. So the venous side has oxygen-deficient or oxygen-poor blood, and um, that blood flows from the capillary to a venule, which is a very small vein. And then as you get closer to the heart, the veins get larger in diameter, so venules become veins, and um, you know larger and larger veins until it gets back to the heart. On the right side of your heart, there is these large veins are called the vena cava. We have two vena cava, one that collects blood from the top half of our body or the superior vena cava, and one that collects from the bottom of our body, which is the inferior vena cava. But these large veins, they empty into the first of four chambers in the heart that we're going to talk about, which is the right atrium. So the right atrium is like the top right corner of your heart. Here the venous blood is collected into the heart. It's just really just like a collection chamber of oxygen poor blood filled with CO2. Next the blood flows from the right atrium down downwards into the right ventricle which is just underneath the atrium. The ventricle compared to the atrium is somewhat larger 
Um, that's because it has a bit more muscle on the heart wall um, because the ventricle's main job is to push the blood with contractile force out of the ventricle, out of the heart. Um, and on the right side of the heart, the right ventricle pushes blood out of the heart through the pulmonary artery. So remember I said arteries take blood away from the heart. And the word pulmonary here in biology and physiology, uh, that refers to the lungs. So blood flows through the pulmonary arteries to flow away from the heart to the lungs. So now let's talk about the lungs for a second. Let's switch gears for just a minute. When we breathe air into our lungs, the air travels down and eventually when it gets to the point where it can't go any further, it reaches these little air sacs called alveoli. And these air sacs have tons of blood vessels all around them, tons of capillaries all around them, right? And remember, capillaries are the blood vessels where uh, gas exchange and gas transfer occurs, right? So the blood leaves the heart through the pulmonary artery. The oxygen-poor blood leaves the heart through the pulmonary artery. It travels right next door to the lungs and stops by the capillaries and the alveoli. It drops off the CO2. That's garbage. We don't need it anymore. And it picks up the oxygen from the air that we breathe in. So there's an additional gas exchange here dropping off the waste, the CO2, and picking up... Calm down, Sam. I just pushed my desk. <laughs> so it drops off the CO2 that we don't need anymore, and it picks up the oxygen that we do need. So that once the blood finishes passing through the capillaries of the alveoli, the other side of the capillary is filled with oxygen-rich blood once again. So from the lungs, once it picks up all the oxygen, the blood returns to the heart through the pulmonary veins. Remember that veins deliver blood to the heart. So the pulmonary coming from the lung, vein means delivering to the heart. So the pulmonary veins now empty into the third chamber of the heart, which is on the left side of the heart. And this first stop after the lungs is the left atrium. Just like the right atrium, the left atrium collects blood that's returning to the heart, but this time it's not collecting blood from the whole body, it's just collecting the blood that came from the lung. So it's oxygen-rich blood uh, from the lungs. Then the blood leaves the left atrium to go down to the left ventricle, which is the final, the fourth and final chamber of the human heart. And the walls of this chamber are very thick as well. Um, as I mentioned, the ventricles use the heart muscle to push the blood out of the heart. The left ventricle pushes the blood not just to the lungs next door, but to all over the body, from your head to your toe. So the left ventricle has a lot of muscle because it needs to push the blood all over the body. It needs to be very strong to do that. So that when you typically look at a heart, the left ventricle tends to be a bit thicker because it has more muscle because it needs more force to push the blood out of the heart and get it to the rest of the body. From the ventricle, the left ventricle, as it pushes the blood out of the left ventricle, it passes through the aorta, which was our starting point. And then from the aorta, it goes to the arteries, and then it just kind of goes around and around and around. And it does that 
your heart pumps more than 3,000 gallons of blood a day. That's a fun fact that nobody asked for. <laughs> but it does that repeatedly, all the time. Even when you're sleeping, even when you're not thinking about anything, your heart's pumping, your heart's going. So that's the roadmap of the circulatory system. Hopefully that answers our first question and it gives us a better idea of what the cardiovascular system is. So now let's move on to our second question, which is what is cardiovascular disease and what are some risks for developing cardiovascular disease? So cardiovascular disease or heart disease, as it's more commonly known, can be classified as like a few different types of problems that include high blood pressure. So high blood pressure happens when the force or pressure of your blood and your blood vessels is too high. When you get your blood pressure checked, there are two measures, right? So you might have heard the number 120 over 80. But what does that mean? Well, the 120 is a measure of pressure, the systolic pressure. So this is a measurement of the force when blood pumps out of your heart. So when your ventricle, your right, your left ventricle, contracts to push the blood out. This is like the maximum force or the maximum pressure in your blood vessels when your heart is contracting. The second number, the 80, is a measurement of a diastolic pressure. And that's the pressure in your blood vessels when the heart is relaxed. So when the, the ventricle is not contracting, it relaxes and it fills with blood so that I can push more blood out. When it is in the relaxed state, that is diastole. So the second number of the blood pressure measurement is the pressure in your blood vessels at rest when the heart is resting. When these pressures are higher, it means that the heart is working harder. The blood vessels are under a lot more pressure. And if this is the case for long periods of time, this can cause damage to blood vessel walls, which is why it's like a health concern. When you have high blood pressure, it's something that they want to get under control because it puts a lot of strain on your heart and on your blood vessels. Another common um, condition that sort of sits under the cardiovascular or the heart disease umbrella is blood clots. You might have heard of the term atherosclerosis. That's me patting myself on the back because I said that on the first try. Um, <laughs> this occurs when the arteries become less flexible as fatty plaque starts to build up on the arterial wall. In some cases, the plaque that's on your arteries can rupture uh, or really just like kind of break off and then when it breaks off, there's clotting factors in your blood that start to clot um, to fix the rupture. And that can lead to blood clots. Blood clots stop blood flow, essentially. They reduce or completely stop blood flow wherever they're happening, right? So you can have a blood clot in your leg. Um, or you can have a blood clot in an artery that delivers oxygen-rich blood to your heart, and that's called a heart attack. You can also have a blood clot 
in the arteries that bring oxygen-rich blood oxygen-rich blood to your brain, and that's called a stroke. The last condition under the cardiovascular disease umbrella that I'll mention today is arrhythmias or abnormal heartbeats. Um, some arrhythmias are pretty mild, but actually they can also indicate that your heart isn't working as well as it should. This can occur when the heart beats too fast, which is called tachycardia, or when the heartbeat is too slow, which is called bradycardia. And um, arrhythmias can cause the heart to just, or it's indicating that the heart is not pumping blood efficiently or properly. So that is under, that is another condition under the umbrella of heart disease or cardiovascular disease. Okay, so those are some examples um, of heart disease. Now let's talk about risk factors. So the article cited below by Dr. Barry and colleagues that's published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2012 highlights a meta-analysis. So meta-analysis is when data is collected for multiple different studies that aren't necessarily related, but that data is all pooled together to be reanalyzed as a single study. So this meta-analysis focused on looking at risk factors, including age, cholesterol, blood pressure levels, smoking status, and diabetes status, in order to group participants and determine their risk of cardiovascular events. And the populations that they uh, studied in this study were um, black and white male and female populations. For this study, a total of 67,890 participants underwent a total of 117,557 examinations. So basically, everyone was examined, examined, exam, yeah, examinated, no. <laughs> Examined. Everyone was examined. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Everyone was examined at least once. Some were examined multiple times over time. Um, and each participant was divided into age groups. So subjects in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s. Um, I think that's pretty much the whole range of the study. Examined. Are you... St- So when looking by age, participants in the older group had a higher prevalence of high systolic, bro- high systolic blood pressure. Now the stuttering is going to kick in because examinated is not a word. And I said it as if it was a possibility that it was a word. And now I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> anyway, okay. When looking at by age, participants in the older group had a higher prevalence of high systolic blood pressure. So the average among men and women in their 70s was around 140. So remember, this is the first number in the blood pressure measurement. So typically you hear the 120 over 80 measure. People in their 70s in this study had around 140. Whereas people in their 40s that measure was between 125 and 130 on average. 
older participants also had a higher prevalence of diabetes. So men averaged at around almost 12% and women almost 10% in the 70s age group. Whereas men and women both in the 40s age group, it was about 3% of that group had diabetes. They also found that younger participants were more likely to be smokers. So a larger percentage of the younger participants were smokers. 40 to 50% of the 40s age group versus 15 to 20% in the 70s age group. So that's just some prevalence summary data. But in addition to looking at various conditions by age group, each person in the study was evaluated for risk factors and assigned one of five categories. So I'll read off the five categories and then kind of explain them. So the first is all risk factors are optimal. <clears throat> optimal. If your voice doesn't crack, it sounds like optimal. The second category is one or more risk factors are not optimal. The third category is one or more risk factors elevated. The fourth category is having one major risk factor. And the fifth category is having two or more ma major risk factors. So here, optimal risk factors, like the first category, is when the participant had a total cholesterol level in the blood that was less than 180 milligrams per deciliter. Um, which is like a healthy level or an average level. Um, also, when the blood pressure was less than or equal to 120 over 80, when the participant was a non-smoker, and when they did not have diabetes. So if all of those conditions were fulfilled, that participant was assigned an optimal risk factor. Um, and then as the levels progress or as the categories progress, each level um, sort of means something different. So like one or more risk factor was not optimal means that a non-smoker without diabetes had slightly higher cholesterol levels or slightly higher blood pressure levels. And they kind of give ranges in the paper. I won't read them out because I feel like it's just going to jumble anyway. Like, oh, between 121 and 139, like nobody cares you can look in the paper if you're interested. But basically, it goes from very low risk factor to lots of risk factors. So they use these risk factor classifications to look into, to estimate percent lifetime risk of death from cardiovascular disease. They also adjusted for like competing risks of death, so taking into account other disease prevalences and means of death, but they use this to estimate the likelihood or the percent risk of a participant with a given risk level dying from complications with cardiovascular disease illnesses. So here the authors report that higher burden of risk factors, so say like the two or more major risk factors group, those participants had a higher lifetime risk of cardiovascular disease. And this was seen at all ages, so people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. But the differences were most pronounced at in their 50s and older, at least in the current cohort that um, the paper cited. 
So in other words, at every age, um, people with optimal risk factors, so people who were non-smokers with normal cholesterol and blood pressure levels and who were not diabetic, had the lowest risk for death from cardiovascular disease. Of course, it is important to note that there are things outside of these factors that may affect our cardiac health, right? Things like genetics, um, things like external injury or external factors. Um, but I think in this meta-analysis, what this tells us is across these different populations, across sex and race and age, we see that higher prevalence of risk factors or more extreme risk factors is related to higher risk of cardiovascular disease-related death. So if we want to lower our risk of cardiovascular disease-related death, we should be conscious of these various aspects, um, including smoking status, blood pressure, cholesterol, etc. So keep that in mind. Don't smoke. Stay active. Watch what you eat. All that jazz, you know? Or don't. I'm not your mom. I'm not telling you what to do. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> oh my god, I'm kidding. Okay, let's end this. All right, well, that's all for this week. Sorry this was another relatively short episode, um, but like I mentioned, it's Monday, and this is supposed to go out in uh, less than 10 hours. Whoops. Procrastination got the best of me this week. <laughs> but you know what? We're still here. We're still doing it. I thought about not doing it, but I was like, you know what? Consistency is key, right? Somebody has said that before. Not me, but I'm sure somebody has said that before. All right. Well, that's all. Thank you very much for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and su subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at SamSplainingSci. Submit your questions. Please help me make decisions because I can't do it for myself. You could submit questions on social media or on samsplainingscience.com slash ask. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.